Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. This season on Working, we've been talking about animals with jobs, and in several of our previous episodes, we heard about livestock guard dogs, especially a kind of livestock guard dog called the Maremma, this ancient, uh, centuries-old Italian uh, breed, made especially, I think, to look after sheep. In this episode, we're really happy that we got to speak with Georgia Ramey of Kinderhook Farm. Um, Georgia told us about several of the dogs that work uh, on her farm as they move sheep and other animals from one grazing area to the next. Um, In particular, she focused on a Maremma named Sarge. Um, She talks to us about how Sarge looks after these animals, about how his breeding, but also how his training influences the way that he and his fellow livestock guard dogs um, look after the other animals uh, on the farm. Uh, Then in a Slate Plus Extra, Georgia tells us a really sweet and moving story uh, about this one time when Sarge had to deal with some heartbreak and that she, Georgia, also uh, had to deal with it too. If you're a member, you can get that and other great Slate Plus Extras. Start your two-week free trial at slate.com slash working plus. What is your animal's name, and what is its job? Sarge is our Maremma. He'll be seven in April. Um, he's one of the four dogs that we have on the farm. So he's a Maremma. What, what, can you tell us what a Maremma is exactly? A Maremma is from Italy, a working dog that the shepherds used um, to take care of the sheep when they took them up into the mountains. Mm-hmm. And then in the winters, they'd bring the sheep back down to the lowlands. So the marima always stayed with the flock and with their shepherd and guarded against wolves and whatever predators would be there. And before we dive too much deeper into this, tell us who you are and, and, and tell us a little about your farm that, that Sarge is helping look after. The farm is named Kenderhook Farm, and I'm Georgia Ranny, one of the farmers here along with my husband and four other employees. And we have a couple interns and a high school uh, boy that works with us on the farm. It's uh, about a 1,200-acre farm. We raise um, sheep and cattle. They're grass-fed and pork, so um, pigs on pasture and chickens on pasture. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the guard dogs, the, the Maremmas, uh, including Sarge um, and others, are are there to look after which of the animals? The sheep? The sheep. So it's a little bit like uh, what Maremmas, this ancient breed, 
used to do, it sounds like, in the uh, alpine regions of Italy, that they looked after sheep then, and, and at your, your place, they're, they're looking after sheep now. We're trying to do as close to, it's called transhumanance, um, which means to shift ground, trans and humus. Mm-hmm. So it's the seasonal migration of livestock and the people who tend them between the lowlands and adjacent adjacent mountains. So our sheep are moved almost, not every day, but depending on the grass, they move regularly um, from pasture to pasture um, to graze. Mm-hmm. So it's as close as we can get to the old-fashioned way of raising these animals. It's really fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, we love doing this. Yeah. It, I mean, it sounds fascinating. And it, I think it's so cool that you are also involving these these dogs that, that were raised for similar practices or bred for similar practices uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago. I yeah, guess. centuries. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, centuries ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe a first question, though, about the dogs themselves, is, about Sarge and, 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 and his compatriots, uh, is where do they come from? I mean, how did they make their way? How did Sarge make his way to your farm in, uh, in New York? Uh, we got Sarge from a breeder uh, up in Governor, New York, uh, raises them specifically for farmers like us. Um, she's pretty well known for these dogs. And he, she imports them actually from Italy. It was 1970 mm-hmm. that they started using these dogs. They, they brought them over as an experiment to help um, farmers with predators. It's, it's a new thing to get your sheep out on pasture. It's impossible to do that without these dogs. We have a very lively um, coyote population. The eastern, mm-hmm. the eastern coyote is actually a hybrid, part wolf and part coyote. Oh, wow. And they will take your flock out if you think you can, if you think you can uh, have uh, sheep out on the pasture without these dogs, you have to have a, a really intense fencing, electric fencing around them. Um, and the dogs are just so much more fun. So we do the electric fencing <laughs> as well as have our dogs. But believe me, they earn their keep. They earn their keep. Uh, it's it's not it easy. Sounds like it. Can you give us a picture of Sarge? What? What is a? I, I I don't know that I've ever actually seen a Merma, in part because it's such a specialized breed. Um, I mean, I've I've, I've seen photographs. I've, I've looked them up because some of our other guests uh, use them in the care of their own animals. Mm-hmm. But uh, what does Sarge look like? Oh, Sarge is such a regal animal. He is our most beautiful guard dog. He is 120 pounds with long flowing. Wow. Yeah, he weighs as much as I do. Um, <laughs> A long flowing white hair, a big stocky head, but but he's actually quite elegant looking. He's not elegant mm-hmm. like the Akbash. We also have Akbash. Um, they're more like a, a hound type. Um, but the Marima is a pretty heavy, um, beautiful flowing hair, mm. which sheds dirt amazingly. Mm. It sheds dirt. Yes. He, oh, it keeps the dirt off of him. He can be totally covered in dirt. And then the, in a couple hours, it just kind of falls off them. It's amazing mm-hmm. that they were they were bred for this kind of uh, hair. It's a double coat, too. It's, yeah. There's a coat underneath and then the long flowing hair on the top. Huh. And what's his demeanor like? How does he 
What's his sort of attitude in general? He is our most uh, reserved dog. So when you go mm-hmm. into the pasture, he will come over to you, but he will uh, sit quietly or stand quietly. Um, he mm-hmm. has a very quiet demeanor. Unlike his half-brother, Ollie, who is also a Marema, uh, we have from the mm. same breeder, he's much more enthusiastic when he greets you, and I have to watch when people come in that he doesn't jump on them if he gets excited, a 120-pound dog with his, <laughs> Indeed, yeah. his paws on your shoulder. But not Sarge. He yeah. never jumps. He's very quiet. Except if he sees a predator, then he's not at all quiet. <laughs> <laughs> So you you got him from the breeder, uh, and this breed has been raised for centuries to uh, do the exact job that he does today. Did you have to do, though, uh, training in order to ensure that, that his behaviors, that his, his approach to doing that job uh, lined up with your expectations and your needs? <laughs> That's a really good question because – I had no idea about these dogs. I've always had dogs. I had beagles, cocker spaniels, boxers. Um, I've always always had a pet dog. They are nothing like a pet dog. They have to make decisions on their own. When they're out in the field, they can't they can't have you there telling them what to do. So they have a very independent nature. There's certain amounts of training. You have to socialize them. And because we have a very active farm with people and children, they have to be socialized mm. to interact with, with people. Um, but the training for being a livestock guardian is just within them. You have to set up the environment so that they can do their job. And I had no idea what I was doing. I really didn't. When I think back of all the mistakes that I made, it's such a wonder that Sarge, at a very young age, became an excellent guard dog. And just the, the mistakes I made were, were, you know, when I look back, I, I would never make the beginner's mistakes again. But he just, uh, he knew his job. And he matured hmm. really quickly, stopped playing with the livestock, which is something that they do. They go through a teenagerhood where where they they can actually injure your livestock. So you have to be there and mm. you have to monitor. And if you think back to the way the dogs were actually used, they lived with their shepherd and they lived mm. with a uh, pack of dogs, older dogs, younger dogs, and the older dogs disciplined the younger dogs. Um, mm. But the shepherd was always there with the, with the animal always there to correct it if there was a problem. We expect a lot of them now because we're not always there. So they have to hmm. kind of do that on their own. Was that difficult to oh, my God. train a, a dog like this? <laughs> was it, it was difficult to train ourselves on how to interact oh. with the dogs and, and the sheep. Uh, difficult, yeah. many, you know, uh, times of being out in the field with them because they were we had two youngsters. I mean, this is crazy to have two youngsters like that. Um, mm-hmm. Ideally, you would have an older dog and a younger dog, which is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. We're going to get another another pup. Um, mm-hmm. But we had a very difficult, yeah, 
the, the first year was extremely challenging and you wanted to throw up your hands and, and give give it up many times. But we hung in there, and even Ollie, who has a totally different personality than Sarge, it took twice as long to mature. Even he hmm. is an excellent uh, guard dog now. So what are their responsibilities? Are they just looking out for the well-being of the flock, or are they also engaged in herding and getting the animals from one place to another? They only herd if they feel that the flock is in danger. So one mm. of my my stories of Sarge, when we first got him, and he was a very young dog. I don't even know if he was a year old. And he had his flock of uh, ewes that he stayed with um, night and day. I had the window open that night, and I heard him barking ferociously, and I heard the cow, uh, the coyotes howling. Um, it was terrifying. I thought, oh, my God, my poor dog. So I put on my robe and went out in the dark. It was a long walk to the pasture where they were. I took my flashlight with me, and when I turned it on, all the sheep's eyes were looking at me, and they were all, but they were all sleeping. They were lying on the hillside asleep, and Sarge was walking kind of trotting back and forth across the fence line where the coyotes were howling from up in the up in the woods um and everybody was perfectly happy i i startled the sheep and then they started running so i learned my lesson that he knows how to do his job and even if i hear him and hear the coyotes it's better if i just let him do it instead of Instead of going out there with the flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like part of his job, a big part of his job in that way is just acting as a a sort of auditory fencing system, telling the coyotes, stay away. Uh, but he's also a big, presumably pretty tough dog. Does he ever tussle with wild animals as well? Um, the one that I know that happened was with our uh, youngest dog, Wink, who's an Akbash. She's a, uh, mm. wow, she's a ferocious little guardian of her sheep. Um, there was a coyote coming in this summer, and it would go to the top of the hill, the wooded hill, and start calling her. You could hear it. And then she would go, you know, crazy barking. But every night it would come and start that up again. But then I saw her, she would go through the two-strand fence and up that hill. And uh, I know she was going after that coyote. So one morning I, I went out to uh, to see her and, and she had been bitten in the face. Uh, oh, gosh. Big, big wound uh, under her eye. So she, in, she went to tell that coyote something. I never did see the coyote, but... Um, it never showed up again, howling at her. So it sounds like one of those you should see the other guy situations. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder you, what you, happened. You will never know. Yeah. Was she okay? Yeah. I put her on some antibiotics um, and the wound healed, and she's fine. Good. But she's yeah. a fearless kind of dog. They all sound like they're they're pretty tough and unusual animals uh, after their fashion, in part because of their, their breeding and background. But what's a day in the life like uh, 
for them. Uh, when do they start to get active in the morning? They sleep in. They're probably they're pretty tired in the morning usually because they stay up at night. The coyotes are very mm-hmm. active at night. Um, mm-hmm. We like to work them in pairs, and in fact, now I think we'll try to get three working together. Our our coyote population is is, is big, and hmm. like like I say, they're part wolf. I just read. Um, I'm trying to keep up on on the predators. I I just read uh, Coyote America and American Wolf to get an idea of how these animals operate. And it's really quite fascinating. Um, So the dogs are very active at night when the coyotes are circling the sheep. And the coyotes have learned now a lot of how we how we graze our sheep. So we have to become much Hmm. more vigilant because they're moving in closer and they've learned that they can call the dogs away. Um, Hmm. So we have to learn to make the paddocks a little smaller so the dogs don't have to Mm -hmm. run as far and don't get worn Mm -hmm. out as much. Um, So day in the life. So if if they're in a pasture and we're going to move them, into the next pasture in the morning. We open the fence, call the, call the sheep, open the fence. The dogs go in first. They do a whole perimeter check, and they mark it hmm. with their urine, and then they kind of hmm. do a zigzag through the field just to see if anything's in there. It's amazing to watch hmm. that. I really love watching that as they, they circle the pasture. And they'll find anything you have to watch because they'll find a fawn, and then you'll have to pick the fawn up and move it outside the paddock. Um, and then the sheep will come in, and then the dogs will essentially rest. And one dog will will take over while the other dog sleeps. So it's nice to have a pair that way. So one of the dogs can rest while the other one's busy. They, you pretty much wouldn't think they were doing anything during the day sometimes. They're just laying there, but that's all they need to do. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What do they eat? I love to fix them special foods. So I feed them a really <laughs> high quality dog food. They, they make fun of yeah. me at home because I'm always kind of cooking and fixing special things for them. <laughs> um, they I am too, eat. but for my for my friends, not for uh, not for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I I just love to do this. Uh, we have a lot of great grass fed meat. So there's mm-hmm. beef heart, 
liver, Mm -hmm. kidneys. They love kidneys. So when you're cooking that for them, the whole kitchen will smell like pee. I don't don't really cook it that much, just enough, just to warm it up Uh for them. And then they like the... uh, the water that it's cooked in to kind of make a little slurry for them. And Laura uh, milks one of our cows. She makes them yogurt. So they love yogurt. Hmm. Um, Eggs from our chickens. It all sounds like it's probably great for their beautiful coats. It does. It makes them look really beautiful. And it gives them the, the strength that they need to, you know, run all day or all night. Uh, they, they're mm-hmm. very athletic. They have to be athletes out there. The mm-hmm. fields are rough. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I spoil them with great food. Well, we have the same food. They might as well get it. <laughs> yeah. Do they eat more than than once a day, or is, or is it just that you set oh, the food yeah, out just, at, at some point? No, and then no. Just there when they need it. No, no. Twice a day I uh, mm-hmm. go out. And also, when you go out to feed them, you do a a body check on them, um, running your hands down their coats. And you have to make sure that you do that every day. Uh, one thing is for ticks. Um, although they do have a medication that will kill the ticks, it's still good to know uh, if, they're, if they're being heavily infected. And the other, uh, in the summer, I did that with Sarge, and he had a couple pieces of barbed wire stuck in oh, his gosh. coat. So. You have to be really diligent and um, go through and check their coats. Check them all over their mm-hmm. bodies for any injuries. Um, I know, I think a fisher cat got in with a couple of them, which is a very vicious animal, and their legs were torn mm-hmm. up one day. So, you know, oh, they gosh. take things on. So you you have to be alert to injuries or and when something like that does happen, do they go to the vet or do you treat them there in the uh, in the paddock? Oh, my God. Have you ever taken one to the vet? <laughs> you have to get them in the truck. They weigh 120 pounds. And then when you get to the vet's office, the floor is really slippery. And they hate mm-hmm. that. So I try not to take them to the vet. I have an excellent vet who comes to the farm and she'll mm-hmm. help me. Yeah. Um, I did have to take Ollie the other day because he was limping so bad. It's okay. kind of a nightmare because he gets so nervous. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like they really are by their nature, by by both breeding and training, creatures of the fields and the hills and the forests and whatnot. Uh, it seems like that is, to to some extent, their their environment that they're best suited for. So I, I can imagine that, you know, even for their health, going into another environment might be a little off putting. You can do it. Um, it's just challenging because they're very comfortable sure. in the field or in the barn with their sheep, and you take them out of that environment, it stresses them. They're very, yeah. very much creatures of habit. So, mm-hmm. so how many days a week are they working? Are they with the sheep every day, or, or as it sounded like you might have been suggesting earlier, are you rotating them in and out with with other dogs? Do they do they have time off? Uh, now is their time off, but they're never away from their flock. And they have specific flocks. Mm. Uh, Sarge mm. and his partner, um, Wink, are with the ewes. And uh, they are never away from that flock, ever. <laughs> mm. And then the other pair 
Ollie and Luna are with the lambs right now. But they go out during the day, and at night, everybody comes into the barn. So that's their downtime. Oh, okay. Summer is the time when they're out in the fields um, really having a full-time job guarding because hmm. they are moved. Our shepherd has done this incredible job of grazing the sheep and over the entire uh, farm. So they can go into some pretty remote pastures where the coyotes are very uh, heavy population back there. Uh, and the dogs mm-hmm. have to be so vigilant. And uh, we're not there all the time. I try to be there as much as I can. But um, they're on their own. And they're really mm-hmm. working. So what exactly does time off mean for them then? Is it just that they're in the barn so so they don't have to be as vigilant? You know, it's harder on Wink to be in the barn than it is out in the field. To her, mm-hmm. it's really distressing to hear those noises, and she can't see as much. When they're out in the pasture, mm-hmm. she likes to get to the highest point and a vantage point and and keeps track of what's going on. So I would say that she doesn't really think it's time off being in the barn. Hmm. Um, they're in just one specific pasture in the winter, a smaller hmm. area, so they don't have to run as much. And the coyotes are not as able to get into the pastures in the winter where they are mm-hmm. as they are in the summer. And how do they how do they hold up to the cold when it when it gets frigid out? Really, they're much more adapted to the cold. Um, they have a double coat, and mm-hmm. it doesn't bother them. We do put a shelter out for them um, hmm. that they can get into, but they rarely do. They they're comfortable in cold. Really, the heat is a stress factor for them. And actually, you can lose a dog or the sheep uh, to heat stroke if you're not careful. Do you monitor them for that throughout the day then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the sheep too. You have to be very careful in May. When it gets to be mm-hmm. 80 degrees in May and the leaves aren't out on the trees yet, um, mm-hmm. you can get into trouble faster than you can imagine. Um, oh, because there isn't shade for them to... There's to no shade, and the sun can come out and just heat them up, and that coat is so thick. Hmm. On both the sheep and the dogs, if they haven't been on uh, sheep, they haven't been sheared. So really, I mean, we started by talking about what a typical day is, but it, it sounds like the nature of their days really does vary heavily depending on what time of year it is, what the weather is like, and other environmental conditions. Yes, they do. They do have to adapt to that, but they're equipped to do that. Um, yeah. But maybe their their most uh, active time, regardless of when it is, is it, also it sounds like, is at night because that's when they're dealing with the most active risks and things. And they'll, you know, survey the pasture in the morning and and markets markets contours and whatnot. But but it's at night when 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 the real risks that they're they're keeping at bay are in play. Yeah, certainly in the summer, um, and you would think so even in the winter because I can hear them in the barn out there. So they hear the coyotes. They hear all kinds of noises. They're always alert. They, it's interesting. They can be sleeping, but they can still keep one ear open. Hmm. I mean, so they do sleep at night still, though, yeah? Yeah, I think they sleep off and on. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm not out there with them every night, but I can hear them at night. If I have mm. the windows open or if I'm out walking around, they are very loud at night. Well, I'm getting the impression that Sarge and his kin are kind of workaholic dogs. They're not just working dogs. They, uh, they really work all the time. Yeah, that's why they really don't recommend these dogs for um, companion dogs. They mm-hmm. need to have a job. I have a lot of people call me and write me and say, I have a working dog and I think it needs a job. And would you like to take it onto your farm? That That is a very difficult thing to do. Of course, they've had this animal that's been in a house. It's never been with livestock. Mm-hmm. And they think that we could just put it out in the field and it will be happy. Mm-hmm. But, the, but you get these dogs, people would get these dogs and then find out how hard it is to have them around. They're very, they don't take well to obedience training because that's not in their nature. I can, they'll, they'll sit and they'll be uh, mm-hmm. completely wonderful. You think they're well trained. But their nature is to have to think on their own. And, mm-hmm. they, uh, and their nature is to be incredibly observant. They have great eyesight um, and hearing and they're listening and watching and anything out of the ordinary. They get used to the ordinary, but if you change it slightly, if you walk in there and you don't have the same kind of clothes on that you usually do, they'll know hmm. it and they'll bark at you until they see that it's you. Hmm. Hmm. Um, they're, they're alert all the time. So it's, it's not a dog that you would really recommend to have as a, as a companion dog. Um, but they do they, sound they like need, good farm dogs. They need a job. They like a job. They love yeah. their work. Yeah, it's just in their in their nature. Maybe this is a silly question, but do they ever make time for fun? I mean, you said that that when they're in their adolescence, they'll sometimes roughhouse with the animals that they're looking after. Uh, that they'll try to play. Um, is that something that goes away completely, or is there any spirit of uh, of play, however independent it may be? Uh, in in dogs like Sarge, <laughs> uh, Sarge is with this younger female dog now, and she still got some play in her. He mm. isn't too playful anymore, but once in a while, once in a while, he'll get in a mood and run around with her. Um, I guess what would be his idea of playing? <laughs> he, <laughs> he's he's pretty relaxed about playing now, just because he's a seven year old. Wink does like to play. She'll play with my boxer. I'll take the little boxer out with me, and the two of them will run around. She likes the little boxer. They say you have to be very careful when you're introducing another dog with these livestock guardian dogs, but she's known she's known my boxer forever now. So, What are their relationships with the animals like? We, we heard in, in one of the, the first episodes in this season, we uh, spoke with, with some folks who, who look after um, – miniature therapy horses. And, and those horses live with um, a couple of maremmas. Um, and a- apparently the maremmas just sort of like sleep next to them. And, uh, you know, you know, the maremmas are actually bigger than the horses in some cases because um, mm-hmm. they're so small. But but they, they still have these very kind of, it, sound, it sounded like from that story, uh, intimate relationships. Do the, do the maremmas bond with the, the sheep that they're guarding? Oh, I wish you could see that. I wish you could see um, in the spring when the lambs are first born because the dogs are with the 
newborn lambs and the mothers and the interaction between all of them is so much fun to watch. Um, the lambs will come over to the dogs since, since they're all raised together and they'll play with the dogs' tails <laughs> and the dogs just watch them. They, they're so, I don't know, it's just a, a very sweet interaction. The animal, the, the sheep are theirs. Just like I feel like they own me when I go out there. They look at you and it, you're theirs. And the sheep are are very, the lambs are very curious about the dogs and they'll come up and, and kind of jump on them a little bit. But the dogs are very submissive to the sheep. Hmm. A good guard dog is a very submissive to their flock. Isn't that strange to think of? This 120-pound mm-hmm. dog being submissive. Hmm. But that's in their nature too. How in the world did they ever breed that into these dogs they're supposed to have a very low prey drive which they do and it it's it, you can see it when they're around the the young animals you're also raising these sheep for meat i i'm guessing right yes yes this is a meat breed mm-hmm. right is that i mean do they have any i don't even know how to ask this do they have any relationship to the fact that eventually some of these lambs are, are going to be led to the not proverbial but literal slaughter? Well, you know, the ewes, the mothers, are with us for well, probably seven, eight years. A good ewe can last that long. So the flock mm-hmm. uh, that Sarge and Wink are with are very stable. Um, mm-hmm. Those ewes stick around. They're not coming and going. They're mm-hmm. raising a set of twins usually every year for several years. Um, And then with Ollie and Luna, with the younger lambs, the market lambs, we always put in some older animals. And we have two weathers with them right now. They're about four years old. Nugget and Puppy. (laughs) And so those two, Nugget, Nugget and Ollie are like best friends. They kind of guard together. Which it's kind of funny to watch, but they they kind of romp around the field together. <laughs> so it's never just you know whipping them out from underneath the dogs. There's always mm-hmm. a a stable group of animals with each uh, of the two groups of dogs that we have. We even throw in some odd things, like we had a an injured calf named Scooter. Mm-hmm. That lived with uh, Ollie and Luna and the lambs for quite a long time. She's still mm. in with the lambs right now, but in a different group than Ollie. Mm. And they loved the, that uh, calf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's really they just are looking after other animals more generally uh, then? Yeah, they even really love one of our horses. We throw the horse in once in a while um, <laughs> to hang out with them. So there's a regular cast of uh, characters in with them, and they do fo- uh, form bonds with certain uh, sheep and uh, like that, the older weather. Ollie and that mm-hmm. older weather are, are really tight. How how long are their, are their working lives? I mean, large dogs don't always live as long as, as smaller ones. Um, how old can they be at least and, and, and still be 
kind of active in this kind of responsible way that they are? That's a very good question that I don't really have the answer to yet. <laughs> Our oldest dog is seven. Well, he'll be seven That's in Sarge. April. Yeah. That's Sarge. And then his half-brother, Ollie, will also be seven. And then Luna will be four, or is she going to be five? No, she's going to be five, and then Wink will be four. So they tell me that these dogs live 10 to 12 years, and um, hmm. I hope so. I think that... Yeah. You could see Sarge is slowing down a little bit and and resting a little bit more. Um, that's mm-hmm. why I'm glad he has this younger partner. So I'm hoping what mm-hmm. we'll do is continue to get younger dogs and bring them in and then let the older dogs not have to work quite as hard but still be out there as long as they can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's possible to do. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Kat Urbaget. She does the transhumanist in – oh, she's fascinating – um, she's been raising these sheep out west. Is it mm-hmm. trying to Wyoming? It's in Wyoming, and mm-hmm. she has a a flock and raises them in the open uh, rangeland with these dogs. And she just had to retire one of her dogs because her teeth were worn down, and she is actually mm. in with wolves and bears. They, I mean, they actually. They have real predators. Um, hmm. So she felt so sad because the dog was ho- horrified when she wasn't allowed to go back out with her f- flock. But mm. Kat said she had to not let the dog out for her own safety because she had no way to protect herself. And Yeah. I mean, it does seem like a, a strange and kind of sad thing to think about. And I don't want to bum you out or, or the audience out here, but... You know, this is a dog that has been a, a breed of dogs, a type of dog that's been so uh, strongly bred for this one responsibility that it must be just so difficult for them when they can't do it anymore. Yes, I can't. Cat said the dog was was really suffering, so she was keeping mm-hmm. the dog with uh, young lambs, um, hoping that that would help her. But you know, just like any of us, you watch your. Uh, your friends go off to work and you have to stay home. It's something that you yeah. love doing. It is kind of heartbreaking. And actually, the the heartbreaking part was reading Kat's um, description of her own heartbreaking because <laughs> yeah. she, yeah. she couldn't let yeah. that dog out, but she felt it was the responsible thing to do to not, to not put her out in, in that uh, sure. environment anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, you've already touched in many ways on um, something that I always wonder about with with working animals, which is whether they like their jobs. And of course, to answer that in human terms is is always going to be to anthropomorphize. But it it does sound like to the extent that we can make such a claim about Sarge and and his, his ilk that they do like doing this work. I mean, it is what they are made for in some sense. Don't you think it's amazing that um, these dogs have this memory in them that they know how to do this job through centuries of breeding. I, it's mm. just incredible to me. I I feel like I'm in a the old world when I'm with them where mm. the shepherds went out and they just hung out with their dogs 
in their flock of sheep. It's a very ancient way of life. And it's all in their, you know, in their being already. We did nothing, you know, I've, I've done nothing to to uh, create that. They came with it. And so it's a part of the old story. We all um, evolved together. Um, we're not, it's not just the sheep or just the dogs or just us. We, we evolved together as a working team like this. And we're still, an interesting part, after reading Coyote America, interesting part is that we're still evolving. And the coyote is now a different breed than it, than the western coyote. It's a completely different animal since it went through the north and bred with the wolves. And this animal that we have here now is something that we have to adapt to, something that hasn't been here before. So well, it seems like the dogs are ready for it. Well, yeah, they were raised with wolves. But it's a very interesting story going on right now in France and out west in America, uh, reintroduction of the wolves, because the the dogs that we have now, um, and, in, and the dogs in France, like the Great Pyrenees dogs, have not had wolves around for a long time. So they were bred to be able to be in villages as the shepherds go through villages. So a lot of the ferocity is kind of tamped down because they didn't have to have them um, defend against wolves. But now the hmm. French um, farmers are rebelling. In fact, I just read the article about that. Uh, they've agreed to increase the wolf population in France. And the farmers are rebelling because... Their job as a shepherd is now going to be twice as hard. Um, these dogs, they're going to have to get more ferocious dogs. So it's complicated. Well, hopefully that won't happen with uh, you and Sarge and the other pups living with you. Uh, at least hopefully they won't have to get too much more ferocious. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Georgia, for taking the time to talk with us today uh, about these these very cool working dogs. I love it. And if you want to visit the farm and, and meet them, we have tours on the weekends at 1 o'clock. If you want to see photographs of the dogs, I post their photos on our Instagram account, Kinderhook Farm, mm-hmm, on, Instagram. on Instagram. You'll see Sarge Wonderful. and all of his buddies every day. Well, I will be following as soon as we end this interview. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you again. Thanks. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. If you want to cut to the core of today's issues, uh, check out Slate's podcast, I Have to Ask. Each week on the show, Slate's resident interrogator, Isaac Chotner, talks one-on-one with newsmakers, celebrities, and cultural icons to help us better understand them and our world. Look for it every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can listen, for example, to a show, a recent episode with Katie Roythe, the essayist who explains why she thinks the Me Too movement has gone too far and talks about whether people who speak out against feminism are really at the risk of being silenced. Isaac pushes back in some pretty interesting ways there. Here at Working, back at our show, uh, we do love to hear from you, as I always say. Um, 
please feel free to email us anytime at working at slate.com uh, or hit me up on Twitter. I'm just uh, Jacob underscore Brogan, I think. Uh, not sure of my own username, but I do check my Twitter all the time. Uh, we do love to hear from you. We welcome suggestions. Uh, and this show is made better every time um, we get to talk with you all about it. With this episode, we also want to give a huge special thanks to Stephen Metcalf. Uh, he helped us set up this interview, and he also let us uh, record it in his studio, uh, record uh, George's part of the conversation in his studio. Um, thank you so much, Stephen. Uh, this episode of Working was produced and edited, as always, by Benjamin Frisch. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.